Yeah, it's on. Nice. All right, cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to shoot a question to you guys. I don't know if, if, if any of you had any, any, any experience with this. Um, recently, like yesterday, I was, I was, I, I was experiencing the, the cycles of mind and experiencing the, the, the so-called down spiral cycle. And, and I noticed that even, even as hard as one can try to put correct practice, if it's not there, it's not, it, it didn't seem like it's possible to connect. So for example, what I'm trying to explain is that I don't think there's any control to, to, to the practice. You either connect the dots on the given breath or, or, in the, or in the given moment, or you don't connect the dots. And when you don't connect the dots, you're going to suffer, suffer until you do connect the dots. And then you get yourself out of suffering. I don't think there's anyone who can meditate out of, anything is just happening by itself so the suffering is arising by itself and you, you you can say i don't really have any control over it but that's that's a lie you do have a control over it only when the dots click on do you, you, you know where i'm going so i i experienced this like it doesn't matter what i do it's okay i'll just suffer for a bit it does it doesn't matter i'll allow myself to suffer until i see it clearly and then i see it clearly and the suffering goes away i think it goes back to like letting go but i found it quite interesting that it doesn't matter how much i meditated or how much how how, how good my how good well, my it does matter that's the thing uh -huh. the part that's missing is yes we do have old comma that's one way you could look at it we mm -hmm. have been for how many years thinking unwholesome thoughts and that's how the mind works so those unwholesome thoughts will continue to arise it's a habit and when those arise there's you can't magically snap your fingers and make them never arise again. But what we can do is every time we wake up to it, every time there is sati, mm. we change the thought pattern. Mm -hmm. So that the amount you do meditate then does matter. So whenever you do have sati, that develops the new pattern of mind. And the next time where you feel like you don't have control or whatever, you'll be able to wake up to that quicker and change the mind from that victim's mentality of I don't have control to I've got this wired mm -hmm. and so we keep sort of like a switch like the default state of the mind was unwholesome and every time we remember we switch it back to wholesome but it'll slowly come back to unwholesome and we switch it back because mm -hmm. that's just was the inclination of the mind to the unwholesome and now we're practicing switching it back whenever we remember mm -hmm. so in the sense there is no me switching it back but there is a skill of sati that is being developed. Mm -hmm. And that sati will happen more and more often as it's practiced more and more often and as the benefits are seen more and more often. Yeah, that, that's what I noticed. You, you put it like really precisely. I noticed that the habits sometimes tend to be, um, it's too ingrained as, as I think that even the Mara mentioned, we, we, we repeat them over and over and over and over again. So then we bring in this new, new thing, new, new thing we're trying to, adjust to and it, it, it can seem overwhelming because you can even remember to that this is like the correct way of practicing but then then the old pattern ways are still like it's just too much it's, it feels like it's just bombarding bum 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 it does it, it doesn't really matter how 
how good it is. But then if you just relax and, and, and settle yourself down, it settles by itself. Like it, like the dust settles by itself. If you stop moving around, right? Around the room, you're just like dancing around and the, the dust is flying everywhere. If you just stop, the dust settles by itself. And then you can see and then you can remember to practice. That's why I noticed. And I found that like, I, 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 I've seen that a lot, but I've never seen it so clearly that there isn't any particular control until until there is so you cannot say there isn't a control but there is a certain element of it as you so when you're already having those thoughts of there isn't control you can have that thought be a thought that triggers the control mm -hmm. you can have that thought of there isn't control or whatever be a thought that you can wake up with so as soon as there is some sort of waking up there might be some verbal thought of i shouldn't be feeling bad or something like that sort of a rule repeated in the mind but that's not waking up enough because there's some wisdom there, but not wisdom enough to really dukkha naroda, right? It's mm -hmm. just it's just dukkha knowing that there is dukkha, but we also have to take the minimal effort necessary to change the mind from that dukkha to dukkha naroda to satisfaction. Hey Robert. Hey Robert. <laughs> We're in class. Yeah, the background's from a book called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. I haven't read it, but I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> it's like he has like a model of like stages of enlightenment, and I think he ranks like emotions from like most to least wholesome on there as well. I don't know the order they're in, by the way. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to read them most of them. I've seen this before, but it, it, it never seen it in like percentage wise rate of happiness. <laughs> I'm 53% happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that point, you're dissatisfied because yeah, you're rating your happiness. I'm 5% satisfied. It's not happiness, but... it's satisfaction. Can you even read it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right oh, that's awesome. Mine's not high def enough to read, but it's like. Hey, oh, Scott. Scott. What's up, guys? Hello. Yeah, Parker, I'm going to go back to that. And as far as like, even before I, I joined the Sangha or I joined any of the calls, I, the meditation was happening by itself. I'm not sure if like coming around the Marada and hearing him um, explain the, the Anapanasati, did, is, is that like, I'm not sure if it did anything in a sense of me understanding meditation by itself, because I still see that part of like the suffering is already like the karma like you already established all these bad habits or behaviors and and habits so there is still gonna be a sense of like whatever you want to call if you want to call it dark night of the soul or if you want to just call it suffering it's still gonna come come by i feel like it, it, because not if you have the sati not if you take the right effort mm -hmm. that's still sort of a victim's mentality of i can't control this 
but you can control this. And right now, you can control this. The idea that there's going to be a dark night of the soul is that there's going to be an unwholesome thought and I'm not going to wake up to it and there's going to be more unwholesome thoughts. But what we can control is as soon as the unwholesome thought arises, we can wake up to that and throw it out. And we don't have to get seduced by that unwholesome thought, that dukkha. We can instead change the mind. So yes, there will be unwholesome thoughts that arise. That's just the nature. That's the unwholesome comma that we have, if you want to use that language. But we can change that as soon as we wake up to it. But it's that's, not waking up to it, like, as I said, explain, like, until certain dots click and then you wake up to it. But what is that period until those dots click? Um, well, the the problem with the karma and stuff like that is that as, like, a, as a self, like, as a body and a mind system, you have karma. Um, but the good news is that... Um, that all that stuff is completely empty and transient. So, um, the what what's really happening when you have sati is that you're you're realizing emptiness in that moment and escaping karma altogether. So, like the the prison of karma uh, doesn't apply to like the real nature of things, like the real nature of reality. And that's what we're doing here. Um, that's what enlightenment is, is um, letting go of um, delusion and illusions. So uh, all the the whole idea that like you're victim of your karma and conditioning is the illusion of self. And there is no self. It's all completely transient and empty. So like... What's really happening when you when you go from um, unwholesome to wholesome is that the 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 like the etch a sketch of your mind is being shaken up and wiped clean in that moment, and you can it just comes up fresh and new. Like you 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 can say that oh I'm intentionally thinking wholesome thoughts, but like we we all know what it's like to like think a wholesome thought like on and it's not actually like it doesn't actually feel good and it doesn't actually like change your mood um what's really happening is like the the happiness is like producing uh better thoughts but like the happiness is this is the emptiness realization um so it is actually profound like just one wholesome thought that changes your mood is a profound like dissolution of uh, preconceived karmas and habitual tendencies and, and all that kind of stuff. You just have to remember to dissolve into emptiness more and more. But like dissolving into emptiness isn't relatable for people. So we tell them, oh, think wholesome thoughts. You see what I'm saying? But like the yeah. more you, the more you um, wipe the slate clean or realize the empty nature of reality, uh the more and more accessible this becomes intentionally to you um because you start to change your identity from your identity starts to change from a limited uh localized separate entity that's subject to it all its limitations and stuff to not a new identity not like some kind of new spiritual identity 
but you just remove the current identity. And then once you remove the current identity, anything's possible. Anything's possible, like anything can happen. Um, the the reason why you feel limited and and unsatisfied is because you have uh, you have constricted reality to one circumstance and identified with it, the circumstance of I, me, and mine, and that's and that's a very like limiting feeling, like that's a that's a very uh, unsatisfactory way to live. But actually, all you have to do is remove that limitation and then things are just the way that they are, free and like flowing and all the, all the um, descriptions that you might label it with. But even those don't even, they don't even do it justice. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I see what what you're saying. Um, um, I have uh, it, it. Really relates to what I'm, I'm gonna ask next. As far as like I see, removing me, we're we're able to remove me in 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 certain aspects of our habits and certain behaviors where we already see them true, like easily. Like I see some addictions come up. I can see there's no me in there. I can see that's just like another thought. But there is some deeper ingrained like patterns I notice that I'm afraid. It's like it. It, it, it comes up to a level of fear, a fear of like letting go of those habits because everything else is unknown. So everything else is unknown is essentially the death of that old version. If that old version dies, then what what is left? Like it, it, it constantly. The thing that is missing is it always has been unknown. It's been a delusion thinking that these habits, these this self here is going to persist. And by holding on to these things, I'm going to be safe from this unknown. But in fact, it always was unknown mm. that reality is impermanent. It is always changing. So by holding on to this, we're holding on to a delusion that this isn't unknown. I'm going to hold on to this delusion and somehow reality won't change. I'm not going to look at it for how it is. But once you look up and realize it's always changing, it's safe. There's no problems. And we we realize it's safe by in every moment reminding ourselves that it's safe, that everything is okay. That I can handle this, even though reality is changing, it's impermanent. I can handle this. And that's what needs to be changed in the thought that you're talking about, the thought of, I can't handle this old comma, that there is this old comma, and sometimes I'll wake up to it, sometimes I'm not. The idea is that when you're having that thought, that thought is, the way you were describing it is of a victim, like that was somehow a bad thing. But if you can change that right now, you can still have that thought, but have it from a champion's point of view of, I, yes, there is comma. I don't have to be a victim of it, though, that it, it will arise. There will be unwholesome tendencies that arise, but I'll handle them and I'll, I'll have sati for them and develop that champion's attitude by because by developing that attitude, by thinking those thoughts, it will develop. Yeah, and also another thing is that the fear comes from the familiarity with the dissatisfaction. So you're more, uh, you're so used to being miserable that it feels uh, familiar and somehow change is scary. So it's not that you don't want it to go away completely. Actually, you do. It's just that 
you don't know um you, you don't know anything other than that except for some momentary glimpses so it it's scary because uh like imagine you've been like imagine like you've been living in like a really primitive house like your entire life and then and then using like really primitive like technologies and someone comes um from the future and shows you some amazing new thing that will make your life completely better and easier but you don't quite understand it and it seems like daunting and like super complicated and like and like a little bit overwhelming but actually it's a lot better than the than it than your current circumstance so it the 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 fear comes from the familiarity with the dissatisfaction uh, and then once uh once you realize that uh dissatisfaction is dissatisfaction uh seeing dukkha as dukkha then you you start to lose the fear of the cessation of dukkha or the cessation of dissatisfaction because um even though the cessation of dissatisfaction may be the cessation of of your sense of self and everything you've been thinking about yourself and everything you took yourself to be um it's still a lot better than <laughs> the prison and that 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 brings me to my next point is that um you're in the prison of the person as long as much as you want to be so we pe people suffer suffer not because um they've just been doomed to that fate but because they're actually enjoying being a person so <laughs> so people like to be a person people like to play their character and people like to identify with it and at first it's it's cute like it's cute to be me it's <laughs> but then once it like rears its ugly head uh at a certain point it becomes unbearable and that's when you become a truth seeker where at the point being me is unbearable and then you start to look at how things actually are and uh you you outgrow this this uh really constricting um attachment to be this specific body and the specific mind that's separate and individual exactly it feels like Go there's ahead. a lot of safety like a lot of um it's a it's it's just like a safety mechanism because as as yeah as parker and, and you scott said it's a, a lot of unknown is 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 scary to us because we've been trained to not to go into unknown since day one, like to always go into known. You know what you're gonna do in the future. You know that you're gonna eat the next meal. You know, you know, you know. You just do what you know. But that uh, an uncertainty and uh, unsafe feeling is leaves a person clinging to the, the the same patterns and habits. And I can see these contractions, and I can see them how miserable they can make me by by contracting in interactions with other people or in just being by myself in general. There's a lot of like these contractions happening, and each time they're happening, I, I can see them super clearly and how much dissatisfaction they're bringing to me. Yet, like we continue. So in that moment, change it. 
Yes. In that moment, remember. And another story that might be helpful is that imagine you're on the second floor of a house and you're sitting there and you hear something fall or you hear just a noise downstairs and your mind immediately thinks, oh, there's a robber in the house. And so you curl up, run into your closet and curl up and contract, right? That's one way of handling it. But we're sitting there. There is an illusory safety to that. If I'm safe in my closet all curled up. But if you would get up and handle it like a champion and go downstairs and see, oh, it was just a book that fell that fell off the bookcase. Everything is safe. That the the scariness of it is not actually real. That if we look up and get up and investigate, you'll be able to handle it. Well, I keep I keep I keep seeing is that like the old patterns, as I was explaining it, it before. If I don't see if I if if I don't get myself relaxed, if I'm not relaxed, I cannot see any 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 of these, and that's fine. And as soon as I let the dust sell, and I can see clearly that all of this is empty, and I'm just generating all this all this dissatisfaction with myself, everything's fine. But what I wanted to say no, but that. That's exactly the problem is that you mm -hmm. believe that you're generating the dissatisfaction. So the person who's generating the dissatisfaction isn't you. So the that, that, that's my point. I, I see that there is no me in there. So the person who's generating satisfaction and dissatisfaction, none of them exist. None of that is, 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 is a, just another thing. It's just a whole another empty thing. Person who's doing that satisfaction and person who's doing dissatisfaction, they're both empty. And the choice is there. No, 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 no. In, uh, the dissatisfaction is the person, the doing of the person. The satisfaction is the absence of the person. No one is doing the satisfaction. But sometimes it's, it feels like someone's doing this satisfaction as you're as if, if I'm if I'm if I go into like meditation, if I let meditation go by itself, like I, I used to do, it, it, it takes care of itself naturally. But recently I've been trying to apply more of like the knowledge that I gained from Sangha and gained from the mouth. And it, it feels a bit like hectic sometimes. So um, if you're applying, uh, if you're applying it well and becoming satisfied, um, the identification with the person um, sort of gets taken over by the satisfaction and disappears into it. And then once you're satisfied at that moment, you're no longer identifying to be a limited person. Um, satisfaction, dissatisfaction always has a cause and a condition. Satisfaction is, um, you can't really pin it down. You can't really say what it is. You can, you can say what it's not. You can just say it's Dukkha Niroda. It's the cessation of dukkha, but you can't like that's what uh, nirvana means. That's what nirvana means. It's blowing out of the candle. So it's the extinguishing of the flame of desire. Not the replacing of some kind of new ground of being like some kind of magical consciousness or something like that. So satisfaction isn't a thing. It's the absence of dissatisfaction. It's the absence of the person. It, no one does. No one does satisfaction. Only you could say that you take an effort to end dissatisfaction. But satisfaction itself 
is personless. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to add something that came to me a while ago is that satisfaction um, doesn't take any effort to like maintain itself. It kind of just has its own momentum, um, like inherently. Uh, and because like effort is, is a form of dukkha, so satisfaction is kind of effortless. So I helped, that helped me kind of connect that insight that like satisfaction isn't something we do when it kind of feels like we're like at the very least creating conditions for it to arise on its own. I don't know if that's useful at all, but that's something that you could try investigating and noticing. And that can help that insight, I guess, make sense. Yes, when we're satisfied, there's no effort. But once, um, if we have the um, idea that there will never be any effort, eventually we'll slip back into dukkha and be suffering. So there is effort, but once you're satisfied and wholesome, that's the only effort that, that is needed. Then, then we might slip back into unwholesome, and then there is effort needed. The, the minimal effort needed to get back into wholesome. So when you're meditating, Carl, and there's the thought of this is hectic, that would be an unwholesome thought, that there is some me who is being overwhelmed by all of this. But the practice is simple. There's, there's nothing to be overwhelmed by. There's a lot of numbers and stuff, but really just coming back to Dukkha Dukkha Naroda, that we don't need to understand all of this stuff right now, that all we need, all we need to know is to change the mind from unwholesome to wholesome, and then we're good. And the mind will go back, oh, this is hectic, though. Then we change it again. Everything's okay. No problem here. And that's all that needs to be done. And then that's the satisfaction that, like, effort. Or Robert talked about, it's effortless at that point. Yeah, I'll also add something Parker said, which is um, sometimes, like, the instruction to just be satisfied can seem, like, very dismissive. And, like, it's not really giving like due like weight to the problem you're describing but i think part of that is quite helpful because if you do take a really like blunt uh, instruction like just just be satisfied like anyway even though it's hectic or and you just use that same instruction a lot of like these like issues that we have like they turn out to be kind of just um big bigger deals than they really were like there was a lot of ego kind of like BS like added on top, like blowing them up out of proportion. And then we and then we can see that after we become satisfied. And it can kind of it can kind of just like it's kind of like brutal because it hurts a little bit to have something you thought was really important turn out to be like not important. But I feel like the more it kind of hurts and the more you get hit with those like, wow, that was actually just complete bullshit. Like and you those moments of just like aha, that was all bullshit. And like they're kind of soul crushing, <laughs> but like the bigger they are, I feel like the more it's like a it's the the more damage it does to like the ego kind of like the more you see how how full of shit you are. It goes back to me to like the bog and the log like it, it, it it's what I can see from uh, the whole situation is the selling of the dust because it, it, and, and it's a it's a it's a it's a reminder of like actually give yourself time in seclusion because a lot of this is happening out there in the world like if i'm sitting on my couch by myself i, I don't really have that much dukkha going on most of the time because i can be observant and i can be i can smash it anytime i see it but out there living in the world dealing with people uh working jobs like managing things it's it's it can it can build up and then 
you allow it to build up and you take it home and you still continue to 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 participate in that past and then little you know you f fell into a little rabbit hole and then you <laughs> keep trying to apply the same practice when you're in the rabbit hole when you should just let the dust sell that's what i i noticed i think from all of this is the, the the practice can seem too hectic if if you haven't let the the, the relaxation come in first because uh, I keep seeing this thing is if I don't allow myself to settle down to get relaxed then the practice the practice is useless you're just gonna create more dissatisfaction with myself because you're gonna oh I can't do this oh this is too much oh oh, oh. well it sounds like what you're talking about by settling down is and relaxing is the practice. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't seem like that at that point, right? Because the practice is to be satisfied and you're not satisfied. That's what we assume. Oh, I want to be satisfied all, most of But the that's time. almost a rule, right? You yes. should be satisfied. You're not doing enough right now. But you're seeing that clearly. That that's not the practice. The practice is just really settling down, letting the dust settle, relaxing. Nibbana, cool off. That's the point of the, the, the breathing meditation or the Anapanasati is that it actually physically relaxes you. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to do, um, you're not going to be, able, if you're in a agitated state and you're just trying to forcefully change your thoughts to, from unwholesome to wholesome, actually what's happening is just more unwholesome thoughts because you're, you're in a state of resistance and non-acceptance. Uh, with the way things are and wholesome is always um, is always like an integrating or coming into um, the moment and the peace of just being satisfied with how things are so if, if you're not so it's kind of like a little mind fuck like if you're trying to become satisfied with the way things are because you're not satisfied with the way things are it doesn't work so you have to relax um that's why, that's why it that's why the 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 suttas say like uh breathing in long he trains thus breathing in aware of the body breathing in long he's aware he's bringing breathing in long and he's aware of the body and then like the next step is breathing in uh he relaxes the body or <laughs> the translation says uh, tranquilizing bodily formations. <laughs> I think it's kind of fucking dope, but like, um, <laughs> Rado always says, like, oh, it's a terrible mistranslation. Tranquilized bodily formations. Like, that sounds freaking amazing to me. Like, I like. <laughs> so, if you can tranquilize, your so you breathe in, take some deep breaths, you relax, you become aware of your body, come into your senses start to relax your body, relax any tensions that are showing up, and then you could really do the practice. Yes, we like to, um, the mind, uh, when we realize we're in the wholesome, it oftentimes goes to, you stupid idiot, you're in, the, you're in the unwholesome, you should be practicing meditation, what are you doing? But in fact, that's just another unwholesome thought. That really waking up would be letting go of that completely, what Scott was talking about, and just relaxing. A lot of punishment comes from uh, not being able to do it on 
on on the spot a lot of times. I it's it's it, it can it can be really self punishing that we can start comparing ourselves when we're able to practice successfully in seclusion, but then we go out in the world and then uh, sometimes we're able to practice there as well. But a lot of times we get hit with like these, um, these reality situations, so-called, and then the practice goes out the window and then you spiral down and then you get back into the seclusion again and you calm yourself down and you can see, oh yeah, I just allowed myself to really, really go down that path once again and then the punishment can also creep in punishing yourself saying oh but i'm always so relaxed when i'm by myself i I should go live in a cave or i should go live with other months right that's what where these thoughts come by because we we constantly uh, compare ourselves how we're out in the world and how we're on a pillow or or at home or chilling by ourselves so that 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 can also add an extra layer of dukkha as i noticed all you have to do is do your best. So the only time you can practice is when you remember to practice. So if you become um, involved and distracted in the world, there's nothing you can do about it because <laughs> you're not remembering. But as soon as you remember, instead of <laughs> going back into Dukkha by being like, oh, fuck, I wasn't, uh, I was in Dukkha. That's just more dukkha. So you just literally, like, simplify it. You just do your best. (laughs) You do the practice when you remember to do it. And when you don't remember to to do it, there's literally nothing that you could have done about that. There's, like, (laughs) that's the... More importantly, there's nothing that you can do right now about that past person who got into dukkha. And the delusion is that if you beat yourself up, there will be some change. Because that's what we have done in the past. When we misbehaved, we were yelled at. As, as if that yelling at would change our past behavior. But really what we're learning now is it's more skillful to nurture rather than to be critical. That if you really want to change a behavior, treat yourself like a child. Treat yourself like your best friend, right? Treat yourself like, like, a, like a friend, like a baby, like nurturing thoughts rather than critical. Um, not in a, a demeaning way, but really working with yourself and being friends with yourself and uh i see you darkness my old friend that we're taking a nurturing attitude rather than that critical attitude of you should have been meditating and you're bad because you didn't also once i'm gonna just use my i'm at work and i can i can see that i should give myself a break and i can see that the practice should come in in that not sure that's the right word the practice can, I, I can allow the practice to come in at that point, but it's much harder to do like the bog and the log technique where you allow yourself to rest when you're at work than when you're at home. And that in that precise moment, it feels like you need a break. So in the worldly matters, you can't just take up and leave your fucking job. You can, if, but there's going to be certain c- c- circumstances that are going to come about if you do that. But there can also... Uh, but you may be able to go to the bathroom for five minutes and take some nice deep breaths there. That's true. That's true. You can you you can go to the bathroom sometimes. Like, if 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 that's not gonna impact again other people around you, if you're you're again gonna contract and say, oh, "I can't do that because there's people around," you, even though you should prioritize your own. Not book. should, but can. You have the opportunity to relax. That <laughs> those thoughts of should or I have to still. They're not enough to really bring in that wholesome thinking that when there is a thought of I should be meditating, I should be relaxing right now, 
change that from I should to uh, I can relax right now. No matter what I'm doing, I can relax and do it, do it wholesomely and put in my full attention to this and really enjoy the work. Yeah, also, don't, don't forget, like, um, it's not about perfectly uh, being able to relax in every situation. It's about just, like, doing your best. So, um, yeah, you're going to become agitated at work, and it, things are going to fuck with you, and, like, you're going to become pissed off. Um, all you have to do is uh, do your best. That's it. Like relax, relax as much as you can, and then you you'll know at the end of the day you did your best. And the more and more you relax in your meditation out of work, the more and more it will start to um, it will start to overflow into every aspect of your life. So it's not about oh shit, here's a part of my life where it wasn't perfect, um, and then when you're in it, recognizing oh, I'm not doing it right now. No, all you have to do is do your best. And like, it does, uh, that that continual, like, take it easy mentality on yourself and then realize that that limited person who becomes angry and mad actually isn't you anyways. Um, it will start to, like, permeate every aspect of your life and then uh uh these work issues will uh become life is kind of magical like they'll find a way to work themselves out like things things will things will just start to go better and like uh things will be good and then when they go bad well that's no big deal either because you're so relaxed and you're you have such a profound peace in the background they're not work issues anymore they're work toys right yeah. we get to play with them it's not it's not important anymore it's not like myself is at stake like scott was talking about earlier the i me or mine is in danger if i don't figure out this issue it's a it's a toy it's something to do it's a it's just a toy to play with I can see a lot of like uh, in those moments like a lot of comparison going on because a lot of times, um, even at work, I'm able to maintain a really good state. And then when you're not, you really punish yourself. You really tell yourself, oh, look, look, I, 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 comparing your previous results, et cetera, et cetera, all, mm -hmm. all the things that, that you know is going to lead to more dukkha. You're, you're, you're mm -hmm. starting to participate in that behavior. So uh, a lot of times, uh, I think like the, the, the streaks of like really good meditation days can throw you off so easily once you have a little slip and, and you really start punishing yourself even more instead of Scott said just do your best in that particular moment and allow mm -hmm. yourself just to be even with a slip you allow yourself to be that moment yes yeah because you've developed a new identity of I am a good meditator I am a <laughs> so you have some you have some good meditations because you've let go of your identity and then now you've created a new identity that take over ownership of those good meditations mm. like oh i can never like i can always be happy in any situation now because that that's a new person i'll never be unhappy again that's because i wasn't exactly and then that's doomed for dukkha because that 
that's that's a recipe for disaster because there is reality is always changing any in any circumstance can come your way the, so the the insight to just do your best in any particular circumstance and if it's going really well great enjoy but don't make it a new a new person out of it like don't take ownership of a good meditation you take ownership of as soon as you take ownership of it actually you're not enjoying it anymore <laughs> it's gone <laughs> yeah i can see that creating the me in that moment is, is already creating the as you said the good meditator identity it comes on because you've already been creating probably from the morning something else you were already gener uh, you were already not noticing at least i was not noticing creating some other dukkha and then this one uh, big thing that I was looking that, that this one particular state you put so much importance on is now gone so now you're starting to generate on that as well you're looking what's going wrong in your life at that particular moment so you're creating the, the me is creating all the dissatisfaction as it used to and it's using even your new experiences as creating dissatisfaction with yourself it's it's using something that you've been lo love doing, like you love feeling good, you love feeling good in practice, and it's using it against you. It's trying to use that as a weapon against you. That's yeah. one thing I noticed. It, um, as soon as you become less interested in the uh, particulars and the, the, the mechanism and the process of relaxation, and you become more interested in the actual experience of it, then you open the possibility for things to change in an instant. So it takes a uh, it takes a meditator a long time to do meditation because that meditator envisions this whole process of meditation. <laughs> <laughs> meditator envisions this whole process of oh, okay, let me do the practice. Okay, what's the practice? Anapanasati or thinking wholesome thoughts and then I'll do all those things and then maybe eventually it'll help me but if you if you don't have any of that um any of that um conceptual overlay onto your actual experience things can <laughs> think there's immediate immediate relief in that moment <laughs> immediate grace um to get all christian about it it's like it's just like immediate relief because you you re recognize that uh, none of the good or bad results of the past have had anything to do with you as a self doing them. So you just let go. You let go in this moment completely. And not as someone letting go. Letting go is just the natural outcome of realizing that none of that is uh controllable like you can't control any of it um and then that's that's an understanding that isn't a practice so if if it doesn't if if you can't understand that then uh you can practice so it, it, there's like there's different avenues right you're not limited to like one way of dukkha nirodha. Um, 
there's immediate quick ways of Duca Naroda or there's progressive practicey ways of Duca Naroda. But ultimately, all of the ways of Duca Naroda are the same and there's no self behind it. It's just where are you at in that specific moment? What 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 resonates with you? What can you understand? Like, again, what can you just do your best at? And then uh, you realize that it, it doesn't have to um, it doesn't have to fit into one concept of how it should go every time. Actually, mm. you can't really like do each moment of Duca Neroda is unpredictable. It's spontaneous. If you could predict it, then it wouldn't be Duca Neroda. It just happens. And it happens like uh, it just comes over you. And how does it come over you? Um, there's different, there's, there's a ton of different ways it can. So there's different, there's always possibilities. Like there's always a new way to do it. Like there's always um, different, you're never doomed to your circumstance. You're like, oh, I'm trying this and it didn't work. You're not doomed to that because um, the 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 way that the practice works, it takes on uh, a new a new relative like form that wasn't currently what you've been conceptualizing the practice to be. Um, so like. That, again, this is this this uh, circles back to not developing a I'm an advanced meditator identity because you may have been doing something that's worked like perfectly and you develop an identity around that and a conceptual framework around that and you project it into the future as like some sort of skill set that you can always do. And when it doesn't work, then you're fucked, right? Like, oh, like and then you because of all of this stuff that you've created and identified with. So it works, but not as a meditator. Does that make sense? It works as an experience, not as a person who's meditating. Yeah, and that's, the, I think I started the, the call with that, that was my initial question, uh, if, if any of you, if the people in the Sangha experienced this as, I, I didn't I didn't do my meditation practice originally. I didn't really do that much meditation when I when I first st stumbled upon myself. It was really snappy and quick for me to 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 get on these things. And I noticed that once I started putting rules, once I started listening a <laughs> bit more about meditation, people talk about it. I started putting all these rules, all these words, all these uh, different kind of things that I, I started playing around with. And I noticed that oh. It's all the same thing in, 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 in essence, but what I called is my own method. We all have our own method at that current moment, right? It's your own method at that point. You shouldn't be trying to pinpoint it to a particular formula and try to replicate it every time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a great realization and come back to that whenever you remember, rather than that, I'm going to practice Anapanasati or whatever it may be, that these are all just teaching the same thing. They're all just trying to get you to relax. And like you were saying, they all overlap and just come to that overlapping of just letting go, just relaxing, just no problems. That's that's all that's all that the practice is. Yeah, like when Dhammarado gives you a practice, he's 
he's saying it how he finds it most like he, he's like saying it the most efficient way he can possibly say it but he's trying to point to an actual experience of it rather than the formula that he's giving you and the actual experience of it is the joy that you feel uh that communicates itself um through through conversation like like the actual practice is the happiness <laughs> the actual practice is the relief the actual practice is the joy not do this this and that but do this this and that is the best translation that we have of the happiness so it's the best shot at translate translating it but really the words and the practices and the concepts are again the finger pointing to the moon it's not the moon the moon is the experience of relief the moon is the experience of relaxation and tranquility the moon is the experience of liberation or freedom from suffering the 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 moon is not do this this and that do this and this and that is the finger that's pointing at the moon yeah that's the exact quote that came to my mind as well yeah <laughs> look at the moon not the finger pointing at the moon or the finger serves its purpose yes the finger is important you you didn't know the moon was there until you had someone pointed their finger at it so the finger is equally important but uh trying to find the moon and the finger would just <laughs> it <were> just <laughs> Oh. Some water as well. What do you guys think about um, suffering in subtle, unconscious ways? How would you investigate for those without inadvertently producing more detail? Sometimes I find sort of any action where I'm doing something with an intention it's like having an intention is like dukkha laden in some sense like anything i try to do intentionally feels like there's some dukkha there well there is no unconscious in the sense that something you can't access there is just unconscious in the sense that you're not looking and there's dukkha happening so wake up see right now is this dukkha or is this is this wholesome? And we just look at what's happening right now. That we can get into thoughts of, is this thing going to happen in the future because of this or whatever? And our investigation of the intention can almost be a slamming and crushing of the intention. And we're not actually looking anymore. Right? It's creating rules and stuff. Um, so what we need to do is just investigate. And it's not some deep investigation it's just looking at how does this make me feel right now is this satisfactory is this dissatisfactory right now because we can't know the future and if we're scared of it and if we're thinking too much about it we'll just get lost in doubt so we can curiously investigate with joy but that's all that can be done once the intention is investigated just put it down and when there's the idea of subconscious um unwholesome thoughts that's kind of something you don't have control of like you can't change the mind 
so come come back and realize right now everything's okay. And then less and less will be subconscious because the more we're looking, the more we're waking up, the less is in the background per se, because it was only in the background because we weren't paying attention to it. I love that concept of the subconscious. <laughs> Cause like that that just makes me think like where's the evidence? Oh I have evidence. No, no I but evidence. No, like I told you before. If you can have a subconscious, how would you be able to experience it if it wasn't <laughs> a conscious experience, right? So what the subconscious is kind of like a dancing <laughs> banana man behind the moon. Like you could say, oh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> that experience the subconscious if not through a conscious experience? What? How does that make sense? <laughs> Sorry, you froze for me and I missed all that. But I was oh. going to say, like, sometimes, like, you know, if you relax very deeply, um, there will be tension in the body that you didn't know was stored there that will just, like, suddenly be let go of and there will be this really pleasant thing. And that's all there is to do, that no, we have the idea after that that there's some no, extra no. subconscious thing that I need to find out too, but it's only just when you wake up to it. Can I answer real quick the yeah. the... I agree with you, Parker, but I'm just talking about the whole conscious subconscious thing. Um, the so in that moment when you say you start to experience tension relax that you weren't aware of, um, you're believing that there was tension that was there that you weren't aware of. You're creating a belief with no evidence that you were subconsciously experiencing it based on a conscious experience. So you consciously experience the relaxation of tension and then you extrapolate and infer that there was a subconscious, a subconscious experience that you didn't have access to when it was just conscious experience after conscious experience. And you construct uh, some sort of thing that's there that you never experienced yes it was it's there's the waking up to the tension in the body there's a relaxing of the tension in the body and then there's the thought of i was tense in the past and there might be more tension where you can't know that that wasn't conscious what, what i'm saying is that if you're not aware of tension in the body there is no tension in the body yes there's only what you're aware of <laughs> the, so if you're not if you're like think if you're like um, distracted and doing something like you're you're really uh like you're really into like the current thing you're doing like you're you're really constant like you're really absorbed into a, an activity you're playing video games or something and you're not experiencing the sensations of tension there is no sensations of tensions there there's just what you're experiencing and then if a sensation of tension comes up then that's a sensation of tension that you're experiencing but you can't you can't honestly say that there is tension that you're not experiencing that's an inference that's and there's no evidence there's no experiential evidence of it so the only tension that you need to re relax is a, a tension that you're consciously experiencing there is no subconscious tension there is only experiential tension 
you tend to cling to the tension that you notice that there was, you notice that at the present moment that there is a tension. And then you tell yourself, oh shit, I was tensed all this time. Where, where else is the tension? And then you really start looking for the tension and you will create more tension in your body as, as you're, you, you're reminding yourself, oh, there's tension in my body. You're actually generating that tension as, as, as you're telling yourself, oh, there's tension in my body. The so a practical thing to do then would be instead of having the, the idea of subconscious tension is waking up and actually looking at the body. Is there is there tension anywhere else in the body? If there is, just relax it. And then there's no other problems. That right now I've relaxed. And that's step three of Anapanasati, relaxing the bodily formations, like Scott was talking about. Every time we wake up to it, we just relax the body. And it's not some, some conscious thing that we fear. It's a practical thing that whenever we wake up to the body and feel the body and within the senses of the touching senses of the body, we'd relax it. I was trying to point to the actual, the act, so the experience of awareness, the experience of being aware of the body and the world itself has no tensions or sensations. It's completely empty. So if you're aware of something and you're not aware of anything else, there's no tension. So uh, if you become aware of tension, then there is tension. But the awareness is empty of tension. That's why you can relax the tension. Is That's the point I'm making. You become aware of tension and you're able to relax the tension because the awareness of the tension is not tense. Otherwise, if you yourself were, were, were tensed, you wouldn't be able to relax tension. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so what I'm trying to point to is that there's no tension um, other than the tension that you're currently experiencing. If there's a tension here, then you can relax that. If there's tension there, you can relax that. But there's no tension other than the current experience of the tension. Yes, and that's to make the point of not beating yourself up of some imaginary tension, right? That it, it's still wise to relax the body. It's not about ignoring the body completely and saying that there is no tension. We're not focusing on it. Because relaxing the body is wise, and a tense body often uh, can result in or tension in the body relaxes the mind and body work together. That if the body is really tense, the mind will likely be somewhat tense. So the body can also be a good anchor to come back to and just investigate. And like Scott's talking about, we're only investigating when we're actually feeling the body, when the mind moment is actually of the tense body. It's not you're playing the video game and then there's a thought my body's tense. Right then, it's it's there is not the tension. There is not the observa observation of the tension. It's only when the mind actually observes the body that you can relax it. But the the ex so if your if your body is tense, you are experiencing that tension uh, consciously. Just because, like, let's say I'm I'm looking at that lamp over there. And in my peripheral vision, there's a unfocused cup. Like there's an unfocused thing in my peripheral vision, but I'm looking at the lamp. 
I'm still consciously experiencing the unfocused cup. It's not a subconscious experience. That's the same way I'm trying to say if your body is tense, you are still experiencing that tension. Just because it's not the center of your attention doesn't mean you aren't consciously experiencing mm -hmm. it. But what I'm saying is if it's not even in the realm of your entire conscious experience, focused or unfocused, it's not there at all. So yes, there could be tensions in the body that you aren't currently focused on, but you're actually still consciously experiencing them. And then you're all you're doing is uh, guiding the attention towards them. It doesn't mean that they weren't in the periphery of your experience. And actually, if they if they're not in the periphery of your experience, that's relaxation. That's a relaxed body. So um, you you experience dukkha because you are consciously experiencing tension, whether it's you're focusing on it or not focusing on it. If if you're not consciously experienced tension, there's no dukkha there. It's relaxation. It's emptiness. So uh, yeah, that um, it's it's good you bring that up, Parker, because I wasn't trying to say that. Oh, if you're focused on something, then that means there's no tension there at all. You could be focused on something and peripherally be experiencing yes, tension. Yes, completely yeah. agree. That uh, that helps clarify it for my understanding of what you're saying. Yeah, the same way uh, vision, like you, you could be focused on, you're still seeing other stuff. You're just not, it's just not the center of the attention. You're, but it's a conscious experience. But let's say you're looking at the lamp uh, and there's the Eiffel Tower in France going on right now. <laughs> experiencing it. It's not in the realm of your experience. It's not a problem, you know, like, what you're trying, but so I'm saying, don't create attention like the Eiffel Tower in France. You're not, you're not experiencing it. It's not the. It's, it's just not, a concept. Yeah, it's just in that moment, the Eiffel Tower is a concept. It's not a conscious, uh, conscious experience. So coming back to the reality, the idea of the subconscious is just a concept. So when you have that thought of the subconscious, actually investigate. What what do I, what does my body feel like right now? Is it relaxed right now? Nope. Okay, I'll relax it, and then we're done. No problems. But the idea of the subconscious can sort of be a thought to ruminate on because we don't have any clear evidence of any of it. Like Scott was saying, we don't even have evidence of the subconscious because it's something that we can't see in that concept, right? The subconscious is something that's unable to be accessed. Yeah, it's, so, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's magical thinking, as Damarado was Exactly, saying. exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that's the simplicity of it, is that there's no reality to solve or encounter other than the experience of reality right now. Like, there's no other problem to fix. Everything else is a magical... Um, superstition. It's not because <laughs> yes. face it. When you face it, then that will be reality, and you'll be encountering that. So it's daunting to try to fix or come to terms with all of the projections of the mind, because the projections of the mind are 
are unending and infinite, you'll never solve those problems. But you can you can come to terms with the reality of your experience. Coming to terms with the reality of your experience is a doable process. Anyone could do it. Not just you don't have to be a boot. Um, not just the. It's not just accessible to the Buddha. And that's just a concept, even the idea that it's a Buddha, right? Yeah. <laughs> always, it's just the finger pointing at the moon. Every time we come back to that finger, we just look at the moon and realize, oh, I don't need to be ruminating on these thoughts of the verbal thoughts and the confusing verbal thoughts. Coming back to, I can experience this right now. It's immediate. Yeah. That, it, that's why everyone is trying to fix the whole world subconsciously, right? <laughs> they don't even see the problems yet. They're trying to fix the whole world. They don't even see their own yard, their own grass. They have a concept of the world, and the world is broken, and they're trying to fix that concept rather than their immediate experience. That in fact, they could do, be doing more benefit just by smiling and cracking a joke with the person next to them. That would actually be bettering their world, their immediate experience world. That while they're ruminating on the thought of the world is broken, how am I going to fix this? The person right next to them is stressed about the same thing, and they could just crack a joke with each other, and that would be bettering the world, and that's immediate. That's the tension. That's and the that's tension. actual change. That reminds me of the Ramana Maharshi quote, um, trying to save the world is like trying to cover uh, trying to co- cover all the roads and like the entire, the entire uh, terrain of the world with leather rather than just wearing leather shoes. And now you can walk around the world. <laughs> trying to cover everything, like, one is, like, unrealistic, and one is realistic. Like, all you have to yes. do is enjoy your own experience. Your own experience is the world. And by going to work and having a big smile and being a great friend to your boss and coworkers, that is bettering the world, because... They'll learn to smile too, and they'll really enjoy that time you cracked a joke with them. And in that in that moment, they're free of dukkha, and that is bettering the world in that sense. That that is what we can do, and that's immediate, and that will have benefits. Where as the idea of saving the world or doing something to save this concept of the world, um, that's that's just a concept. That's the concept of the world that we don't think is doing well. Um, but because we're not actually experiencing the reality of things, we don't know whether it's doing better or not. Yeah, that's why I said, like, I compared it to relaxing your own tension first, and then you can relax the tension around the environment you're in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the tension in your body, everything, everything just flows by itself. But even the, even the tension in the environment you're in, uh, is only there as a tension that you experience. Yes. So all, relaxing your own tension is the only tension to relax and the only tension that you actually there is and that you can experience. If right. you're experiencing oh, tension of those around you, you're experiencing tension of yourself. Yes, if it makes you feel tense, or uh, that's something that often happens, that someone will come away from a conversation saying, that conversation made both of us anxious, where they're saying that because they felt anxious the whole conversation. The other person could have been having a blast and they weren't paying attention to that. So what we need to do first is find the seclusion of our own mind. And that can be just closing our eyes and taking a nice breath. And then we can see the world for how it is.
You're gonna say something, Robert? Yeah, I was gonna say like it's it's like our, it's all our projections, isn't it? Like the tension we see in other people and situations. It's like it's our yeah. I was just agreeing with you. Well, yeah, the, the not that other people aren't experiencing tension, but the only tension that you can resolve or relax is an experience, uh, inner experience of tension. So if you're if you're like um, experiencing tension around other people and saying that's their tension, <laughs> no, actually you're experiencing tension and you can relax that. But you can't. So like if you if you like superimpose your tension as they may be feeling tension, which is uh, which is like you're empathetically experiencing. But then uh, there's nothing you can do about it if you say, oh, that's their tension. Oh, now you're doomed to experience tension because it's theirs. But actually, no, you're experiencing that tension and you could relax that. You see what I'm saying? So like it, it, if you like if you experience tension around other people experiencing tension and say, oh, it's their tension, not mine. And I can't like I can't control it. I don't have control of my feelings. Right. Because they're symp sympathetically vibrating anxiety. I have to feel anxious. But that's a delusion. Because you can yeah. smile right now and you don't have to feel anxious. Yeah, you can relax, completely be relaxed and relax your own tension. You can't relax their tension for them. It might help to be around um, somebody who's relaxed and generally um, that will communicate itself to those who are open to it. But it, it, won't, you can't, it won't work to, to people who aren't open to it. But you will be um, relaxed and enjoying yourself regardless. So it's a win-win situation. Like the only person that needs saving is yourself. Like, <laughs> and there's nothing. Exactly. And then there's indifference. If the other person's not getting it, you'll be cracking and howling with laughter either way. You'll be satisfied either way. Yeah. Like there's no, um, you can enjoy the show. Like there's no, there's no worries about it. Like, like um, you can enjoy the drama of it, you, the all the world's a stage, um, and people are just playing different characters in the stage. And then some people um, play the character of being an asshole. But then, are you going to become a character who's a victim of the asshole, or are you going to see the whole play and enjoy it? Thanks. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, I guess the subconscious is kind of an interesting concept because, like, one thing that comes to mind is like, I don't know if this is really worth going into, um, but like sometimes in spirituality there's the idea that like even like physical objects are our mental projections and like if i look at a table i'm experiencing my idea of the table i'm not experiencing the table because there's nothing in reality called a table it's just like particles uh, vibrating or so or that's that's an existential viewpoint as whether a table is there or not it doesn't matter whether a table is there or not 
So what, when I'm saying come into uh, the reality of your own experience, it's not making any claims about the existential nature of reality or whether or not there is or isn't a table. That doesn't matter because you're not. And we can't know that stuff. Yeah. So it's not creating a new paradigm of how like an ontological paradigm. That's not what the Buddha taught. The Buddha taught that uh, there is suffering and there is a cessation to suffering. He didn't teach, oh, there is no table out there that <laughs> other than the experience of the table. That's a philosoph that's a philosophy. That's a it's not it's not a practical truth. It's not a practical um there's nothing you can do with it. This, it's, it's, not, not, it's like a belief that's yeah. what the Buddha did taught is there is consciousness and that consciousness, there are six sense bases, right? There is seeing, there is touch, there is whatever, whatever. Um, and those exist, but we can't say there's something else exists that because of that, either way, that there is or isn't. And oftentimes people will get scared because there isn't a table out there. What's going to happen? My, my reality is collapsing on me. But really, what is there is just the sense and then we process that sense. We name it as a table. We recognize it as a table. And then it contacts us as a table. And that's just what happens. There's nothing scary about that. It's just how we relate to the world. This, yeah, I mean, there's probably a fucking table there, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't have to, oh, it's only my idea of a table or my conscious. It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter whether it's a con only consciousness or a table there. What we do know is that every time we've interacted with the table, it's been a table, and we can we can uh, infer from that that uh, make the assumption that there might be there's probably some reality out there. But either way, it doesn't matter. You can enjoy for it for, for you can enjoy the thought. Oh, there is no table, but yet I can put things on it. You can enjoy that thought, or if that thought causes you more more dissatisfaction, then just throw it out. It's how you how how you choose to look at it. 